The following Truth Barista podcast is a High Beam Ministry production. Keep working, keep striving, never give up, fall down seven times, get up eight. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. So keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. We tend to base our self-esteem on what other people think. And that's not really self-esteem. Self-esteem is supposed to be how we feel about ourselves. And I was just saying how dangerous it is to allow other people to determine how you're going to feel about you. George Floyd's story has been the story of black folks. Because ever since 401 years ago, the reason we could never be who we wanted and dreamed to be in is you kept your knee on our neck. What happened to Floyd happens every day in this country in education, in health services, and in every area of American life. It's time for us to stand up in George's name and say, get your knee off our necks. Do you think we've made any headway? In the I think it's more important to make headway in our own house. By the time the system comes into play, the damage is done. They're not locking up seven-year-olds. I, I was in Chicago a couple of three, four weeks ago, and we saw these little kids on bikes with masks on the side of their head, like five or six of them. And the driver said, yeah, they're little yummies. I said, who? He said, little, little yummies. Look up, Google little yummy. Mm. Little yummy was an 11-year-old murderer, and he got murdered at 11 by a 14-year-old. Wow. Who's doing life now in a 16-year-old. That makes no sense. You, you blame the system? Where was his father? Yeah. It starts in the house. It starts in the home. And yeah, well, well, my father got locked up. Well, where was his father? Yeah. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. I'm telling you, Truth Barista, these protesters have been going on now for about an hour. It's just, they just keep coming and coming and coming, and I don't want our windows broken. I know, it's like this unending parade out there. Uh, excuse me, Truth Barista. Uh, what is it, Maurice? Uh, do you want me to serve them some coffee while they go by out there? Why, yeah, that would be a great idea. Hey, you know, there's a bunch of kolaches over here and some other patients. Why don't you just go ahead and give them to them as they go by? Just bless them, okay? Oh, uh, that, that Maurice, he's such got a heart of gold, doesn't he? I know, he talks funny, but boy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really a good guy. Well, I understand we're going to talk about protests. Actually, I would like 
us to talk about racism today. Well, that's what I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, I this has really got me thinking, and that's what I do appreciate about what's going on today is it's really getting me refocused on this subject. And I did a Bible study on this, and I found some great resources I'd like to share with you. Are you ready for a kind of a little foray into what the Bible says about racism yeah, and I, people's thinking about I what wa- the Bible yes, says. and I want to read a verse, can I? Yeah, go ahead. Because I think that people are thinking poorly today. I agree. I don't think people are thinking at all. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, love, I love that one. But here's what Paul says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Ah, Isn't that I see. good? That's, that's the key right there is, yeah. is changing the way we think. And that's what you're going to do today. Well, I hope so. What I have found out, if I can kind of encapsulate this, I can summarize our entire discussion. Spoiler alert, there is no room for racism among God's people. What? No! No, really. There is no room for racism among God's people. What? No! Okay, I will prove it to you. Are you ready for this? I'm good and ready. Okay, well, as you know, I really like to be precise with words, as precise as I can get. Yes. And I have heard this term race and racism and discrimination and all this tossed around so much lately, it's kind of like, even if you just disagree with the color of the sky... You're a racist. You're a racist, Mom. You're a racist. By throwing that term out so flippantly, it loses its power. It loses its meaning. And it is a very important word. We have to be able to understand what race, racism, and discrimination are. So I went to the dictionary, and I found the definition. Are you ready for these? Okay. Okay, let me pull out my note here I stuck in my Bible. Mm -hmm. There it is. Race, a group of people identified as distinct from other groups because of supposed physical or genetic traits shared by the group. Makes sense to you, doesn't it? It does. Okay, this is what I found fascinating in the dictionary definition. And this is from the American Heritage Dictionary. It says here, Most biologists and anthropologists do not recognize race as a biologically valid classification, in part because there is more genetic variation within groups than between them. Isn't that interesting? I found that fascinating, and then I started thinking about that, and I I did a Google search on this, Mm -hmm. and I got these huge matrices, matrices pop up with all these faces on there. It's like, wow, look at the diversity. Diversity just within what we would call, and it is now a construct, it's a human construct of race. And then you look at, you know, even within the black race, you have extremely white blacks and extremely dark blacks within the Asian race and I'm using my fingers in that air quote thing, you see the same kind of variations within the European, the Caucasian races, the white races, you see the same vast amount of array just within that one group. So I looked at that and I I think I agree with what they're saying. 
Well, I was just going to say, you know, some Italians are very dark-skinned. They're Caucasians, but they're very dark. It's really funny. When you go to the south of Italy compared to the north of Italy, you will have great variation just among Italians. Correct. Just like when you look at the United States, you have even some pockets of German immigrants that came in into the state of Minnesota. Even within the Germanic immigrants, after a couple generations, tons of variation. It just seems to me, Truth Barista, that, you know, race is such a a lousy way of classifying people. Number one, race was designed by God. He started this whole thing. Yes, he did. And I always have said, if you hate your brother of color or whatever, vice versa, you're really hating God. And this is really reflecting when we've talked about this in the past with Martin Luther King, what is more consistent among people and more identifiable among people is character as opposed to race. Race is a construct. Character is something that is well-known, well-evaluated, well-spelled out over the history of what is ethical and not ethical. Whether you base it on the Bible or not, it's more universally accepted. Within the various races, there is so much diversity. It almost boggles my mind that somebody would look at somebody who's black or kind of black and says, well, you know, that's easy, right or wrong based on his skin color. In fact, I had a question that popped up in my mind, too. Did we not have our first black president? And who is that? President Barack Obama. Very good. Yeah. Did he have purely black parents? No, he didn't. No. They were mixed-race parents. But I got to thinking, at what point in a genetic family line do you add in a certain other race that changes the offspring from one race identified to another race? And I begin to think that's grossly unfair to be able to say this person is this race but not that race, even though there are multiple races in a family line. How far do you want to take that? It gets to the point of ludicrous. Mm -hmm. We are all one race, the human race, and we have a variety of colors. We have a variety of facial characteristics, body characteristics. So really, I'm more and more coming to an agreement of what the American Heritage Dictionary says about race. So here's the racism, okay? This is what it says. Racism is the belief that race accounts for differences in human character or ability and that a particular race is superior to others. It is also discrimination or prejudice based on race. Now go back to that first definition. How can skin color, which cannot change, reflect human character or ability that can? I mean, that's just grossly unfair. But then it's the culture, then, that must be the driving force behind race. Because okay. you can't explain. Well, I would think that, you know, the culture of white is supremacy. That's what most people would That's think. the accusation today. The accusation for supremacy and, and holding people down. On the other side, people of color, they're lazy, they have a propensity against authority. And that's, yep, that's the prejudice, that's the, yeah, that's, that's a the cultural, construct. Yeah. That, that is a cultural environment by which a lot of people grow up, think about, we see it in movies, we see it in, in culture everywhere, so we must believe it's true. Yeah, well, I, the, the fight that I'm dealing with now in this whole protest thing as I see it walk by is the protesters don't want one race to paint another race with a broad brush, and yet in their protest, they're painting another race with a broad brush. Do you see how illogical that is? And this is why, yeah, we don't want to judge people ever on the base of race. We want to judge 
characters. We want to judge an ability. And by the way, judging doesn't mean necessarily a negative thing. Judging, in that sense that I'm using it, is just make a distinction to make an evaluation. Neither positive or negative. It's just an identifier, okay? Like my wife says, you know, I, I didn't make a judgment as a, in a bad sense. It's simply an observation, okay? So, uh, that's racism, is when you base your decisions, prejudices, or discrimination based on race. Okay, and discriminate, what is discriminate? When you say discriminate now, I mean, the hair on the back of people's necks goes up because we've had, literally for the last 60, 70 years, this whole thing about discrimination relative to race. But let me pull that back a little bit. Discriminate is this, to make a clear distinction or to distinguish. Discrimination in itself is not morally right or wrong. It is simply a tool that is used to make a distinction. I discriminate between apples and oranges because, as you know, around the coffee shop here, I love them apples. I discriminate against oranges because I don't like eating the pulp. I love the juice, but man, I can't eat the pulp. That's why I suck the juice out of all of the sections of the oranges and I give you what's left. And, you know, and that's because that's the way I am. I'm Mr. Generous, right? (laughs) You're just shaking your head, aren't you? So anyway, just remind me, I'm not going to eat oranges around you. (laughs) That's right. I got a joke to tell you sometime about that. But anyway, discrimination is not bad unless you use that tool in a bad way. So for example, I have a screwdriver in my hand right now because I was fixing the legs under the table. If I were to use that to fix the legs, that's a good use of the tool. Now, if I were to use it in some way to harm you, that would be a bad use of that tool. Discrimination is the same way. Discriminate is possible, but we have to be careful how we use it, and we have to be careful how we use the word discriminate, whether then that tool can become something harmful against another person, as in a false accusation. Well, is it the same thing then as profiling? Yes, very much so. When you are talking about a description of the perp in a crime, you have to give descriptions. And you know something? Skin color, facial characteristics, all that is just simply a part of the description. Using a description does not imply automatic racism how it is used. So, you know, if you say something like, well, the the perpetrator was a white guy with a black mustache, therefore all people with white skin and mustaches are criminals. Now you've just crossed the line. Before it's a description of the perp. The next one is, is because all white people with mustaches are criminals in my mind, none of them can come into the Erzatz coffee shop. Now I have discriminated. See the difference? I do see the difference. Can I just tell you something that really irritates me? What? (laughs) It doesn't ever irritate you? There's a lot of things that irritate you, but here's what really irritates me, especially since all these protesters and all this race stuff is starting to break forth in the news and whatever. It seems like every white evangelical Christian all of a sudden has a black friend in the closet that they bring out and they say, here's my buddy so-and-so. He's going to help us disseminate all the problems with race. See, I'm not a racist because some of my best friends are black. You know, well, oh, I hate that. And they're only being used for the moment because they'll be able to speak from a black perspective. But does that friendship go on day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out? And the question 
question is probably not. And that to me yeah. is a, a misuse, I think, of friendships. Absolutely. It's an abuse of friendships. Here's an observation I thought was really cool. You know, I lived for a couple of years down in South Carolina, in Columbia, South Carolina, early on in my marriage. And what was funny is I realized being down in Columbia, South Carolina, having been a previous in three generations past, back in the deep south and the old south, you know, there's a lot of African Americans in Columbia. And I would walk through the street and I made the observation and I said, wow, was the Twin Cities and Minnesota lily white? Just simply because that happened to be the grouping of people that were there. And it was not an intentional racism thing. It's just the way people grew up. Families grew up together. And so certain concentrations of races would be in various areas. That's just the way it was. But it did get me aware, more aware of, oh, the differences and why people react to differences. In fact, what was funny is when I went to Israel, I really felt like an outsider. And for the first time in my life, I realized I was a minority. And when I was in Israel, I was saying, everybody here is Jewish, everybody's Israeli. And there were a multitude of nationalities, backgrounds in that. But I was like, I'm a minority. And this is how a minority feels. And I appreciated that, but I don't take it upon myself as something to whip myself or to be guilty over. It was just an awareness. And I think that's the value in many of these protests going on, is it is raising awareness, and that's a good thing. But when the protests are used to attack other people, racism, the word racist and discrimination are used to attack other people, in a sense to beat them down and to subjugate them to an ideology, now you've crossed the line into something that is ungodly and not right. Well, here's an observation, Truth Barista. I don't have any coffee. Say, could you go get a coffee for me, too? What? No! Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the grace to let you be my servant too. Hello, I am Maurice. I am the host here at the Erzdats Coffee Shop. I greet you, and I seat you, and I treat you to an excellent cup, a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can find us at truthbarista.com. Dot com or highbeamministry.com. That's high beams, as in car high beams. Highbeamministry.com. Okay, so we're talking about race, racism, and that is a word that's thrown around pretty loosely today. If somebody disagrees with you or you disagree with them, all of a sudden you're a racist. Well, where does racism get involved here? Yeah, and that's true. Somebody makes an observation and somebody says, you're a racist. No, it's an observation. Now, if I were to regard myself as superior to them or to act superior to them or to voice things that indicate I'm superior to them, now that is turned into racism. All right. The reverse of that is true. Also, if you regard a race as superior to another race or inferior to another, see, it goes both directions. That is also a type of racism. It is a judgment based on race, and that's wrong. Well, God did not create superior human beings. One race isn't better than the other. He did create us all equal. And that's why we have to come back 
to God's perspective what he thinks about race. And that's what you're about to do. Exactly. Now, let's jump into the Bible. God did create a superior, actually superior human beings. And he called them Adam and Eve. And they were superior relative to the rest of creation and the creatures in creation. So this is the deal. They were originally created equal. In fact, all of the races that we have today came from Adam and Eve. So just by simple biology and logic, all of the genetic code, all of the dominant and recessive factors in their genetic code that resulted in facial characteristics, body characteristics, skin, whatever you want to call it here, all of that was embedded within their genetic code, which is, when you think about it, pretty mind-blowing. Okay, Now, it differentiated over time and interbreeding within the human race through successive generations. And again, if you have a basic understanding of biology, you realize, like, mm-hmm. Gregor Mendel did genetic interbreeding on peas and actually found out certain, I would say, recessive traits manifested. What are you smirking about over there? <laughs> I can't help myself. I don't know. I think I need therapy. But as you were talking about Adam and Eve and having all these genetic codes, I just immediately went to the fact that they must have been very fat. <laughs> What? Well, just all those codes. Holy cow. You've got to be huge. I I have to pray for you, brother. It's just too weird. Can I get back to what I'm talking about? Okay. So, anyway, you've got me all thrown off here. The genetic code is wide and deep. That's I mean, what's fun is when my wife and I walk through a mall, we'll look at all of the people in the mall, all of the characteristics, and I turn to her and it's like, wow, the gene pool of the human race is wide and deep. And the fact that all these variations came out of this couple is amazing. Now, here's an illustration. I would be bored with a garden that only had one type and one color of that type of flower in it. I love the variety of a garden, all the colors and all the shapes. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm made in God's image, wouldn't God also be interested in a humanity of a variety of colors and shapes? And it's like, yeah, I think he would. You look at God's creation, which, by the way, speaks of God's nature. God is a God of color and variation. So, of course, yeah, there is nothing. I can't look at a flower and say, that flower is less worthy than that flower because it is of a different color. That would be stupid. So why do people do that with people regarding racial characteristics? That is flat out stupid. Okay. I'm sorry. Was that a little bit too abrupt? Maybe ignorant or dumb or something? No, no. Anyway. Very, very nice. Okay. Very, very nicely put. Okay. So Adam and Eve are created with all of this. And by the way, they were created equal to one another. Eve is called Adam's Ezer Konegdo. That's the Hebrew. It means a perfect counterpart. They were designed to be co-equal, working together in God's work. Equal value, everything. Okay, now, humanity's fall is where we begin to see the trouble set in, obviously. Something happened at the fall, and by the way, it wasn't about race. Adam and Eve had no children at the time. They had all of the myriad of racial characteristics that emerged from all these successive generations of differentiation haven't happened yet. But this is what did happen. Mankind was built to be superior over God's creation and creatures. We've talked about this before. At the fall, Adam was placed, so to speak, as a control factor over Eve, as a governor. God says, he will rule over you. The implication being, Eve, you didn't take your ruling function as you should have. You listened to the snake. And you fell, and you caused your husband to come with you. And actually, he kind of was a willful, you know, 
guilty party as well, so let's not diminish that. They're both equally guilty, but now there's a hierarchy, a superiority of one person over the other. And now it's a battle because he said, Eve, you're going to be, in a sense, your husband's going to rule over you, but you're going to fight him for that position. So now you have a battle between people of who's going to be superior, who's going to be inferior. And so now this begins to work its way through humanity. They have Cain and Abel. Cain is a firstborn. Abel is a secondborn. God likes Abel's sacrifice. He doesn't approve of Cain's sacrifice. That brings worry to Cain. Why? Because God could supplant Cain as the firstborn son, inheritor, and look at Abel. Abel has now become a threat to him. See, a lot of people don't preach that from the pulpit, and I think that's the prime motivation. So, Cain got rid of his opponent, the threat to his place in the world. Now you're beginning to see that's human against human. You go down a couple of generations and now you have Lamech. You don't hear a lot of Lamech preach from a pulpit, but he, instead of having one wives, had two wives, and so he's already subverting the reproduction rule. And he comes back to his wives and says, hey, 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 guess what, ladies? I have killed a man. Why? Because he injured me. And now because I was injured and upset, I had the right to kill him. Hmm. Sounds kind of like the emotional excuses and escalation of what we're seeing today. Because I'm offended, because I'm mad, I have the right to take vengeance out as I see fit. Hmm. That might be a bad thing in God's eyes. And in fact, it is. So this whole superiority, inferiority thing is already working its way through humanity. This over and under thing. Let's go back to the term for racism. Okay, racism is the belief that race accounts for differences in human character or ability and that a particular race is superior to another. You see, the fall is not about race. The fall is about this attitude of superiority and inferiority. And then racism is the expression of that as well. For out of the fullness of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. So it really comes down to, if we can talk about values for a moment, it really is about my value being superior. It's my pride. That's exactly it. It's my pride that fuels my superiority over another person based on race. That's and, racism. And who was the one that was affected the most by pride that is really kind of seen throughout all of humanity today? Could it be? Yes, it was Satan. It was the serpent. He is the father of pride. So when people exercise their pride of superiority over another race, you are not on God's side. You are Satan's standard bearer in this. And I will not back down from that statement. Racism is a satanic manifestation. Wow, that can't be said enough, you know, today, right? And it, we don't talk about it that way. Nope. But that's the way that the Bible does. It is. All people being equal is the way God created it. Satan using this to set up differences between people. And by the way, Satan does like to use racism as a dividing point because a house divided, a kingdom divided, cannot stand. This is how he weakens the human race. This is how he tries to weaken God's kingdom by setting up divisions between people. And by the way, it's any division, whether it has to do with religion or economics or race or whatever. Division and not standing in unity with your differences 
Jesus. That's the difference between Satan's kingdom and God's kingdom. All right, now, how ludicrous can racism get? I've got this cute little note here. Now, form this picture in your head. Prejudging people by exterior appearances is judging a book by its cover. Now, books in a library may have the same color cover. Have you ever looked at a law library? Okay, mm-hmm. It hurts my brain. I know. I, but you look at the spines of the books in the library, and it's all the same color. It's all the same gold bands. I mean, that's just the law books are endless. But not all of those books say the same thing. You can pull out one of those books, and it reads entirely different than the next one. Why? Because the author's work is different in each book. How much more so when you walk into a regular library and you see a multitude of books in a multitude of fonts, in a multitude of pictures and colors, and that same difference in work in within each book is different. Even if you try to judge a race by its color, it's still a losing proposition because you're not judging each individual person by the work that God is doing within them and the abilities and the character and the thinking and the outlooks and the viewpoints that are manifest throughout all of the human race. We are missing out by not looking at people's insides for God judges the heart. He tells Samuel, don't select the next king based on outward appearance. I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And David bypasses the firstborn and selects the eighthborn kid, the runt of the family. Okay? That's our example. We are to not look on the outside. We are to judge by the inside. And this is a great place to bring this to a conclusion. Next week, we want to get back into division and what that is all about. But give us a couple of clear takeaways so that we can get ready for next week. A couple of clear takeaways. I would not expect the world to understand what I am saying because the world system is built on division. There are people who use the worldly system to create division in order to push their political agendas. And they are using race out there to push political agendas and ideologies. And there are some legitimate concerns about racism out there. I get that. From a biblical standpoint, though, no Christian, and I'm going to say that clearly because I'm a Christian and I'm addressing Christians primarily, no Christian should have any room for racism in their heart. Why? Because God created us all equal, and the differences, the racism, the prejudging, the discrimination is a manifestation of the fall of sin. And here's a spoiler alert. By the time we get to the end of this, we realize Jesus died so that we could let this go. For there is no room for racism within God's people. What? No! <laughs> wow, what do you say after that one? This is totally awesome! This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. <laughs>